today's episode of the SSPX podcast, we'll continue our apologetic series by diving into the concept of religion itself. We've already seen in episode five that we have to practice a religion, but now we'll start to see what that religion needs to look like so that it's not just something that we believe in, like a myth or a legend. What's the most fundamental principle of a religion if it's going to be true? We'll ask Father Leo Anthony Hainos, who teaches this exact topic at St. Thomas Aquinas Seminary. You can find notes to all of these episodes at sspxpodcast.com slash apologetics, as well as all of our previous episodes. There as well, you can find a link to help support this project. This is free to listen to, as well as all the resources we're posting. But if you can help with a one-time or a small monthly recurring donation, you'll be making sure that we can continue this work of producing good Catholic content on a regular basis. Now, let's join Father Hainos for episode number 18 of the Apologetic Series here on the SSPX Podcast. series with Father Hainos. Hi, Father. How are you? I'm doing well, Andrew. How are you doing? Very good. It's been a little while since I've seen you. You were in Phoenix. Now you are at the seminary. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. So I've been here for four years now, and I teach um, logic and apologetics. Uh, so um, actually, some of this material we go over a lot in the, uh, the seminary classes. So. That's great. Yeah, especially the two classes work very well together, logic, because apologetics is very logical about the way it, it moves through the whole process, proving that the Catholic Church is the true church. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, I like teaching you both those classes and uh, and looking forward to this. It should be it's an interesting, uh, interesting way to uh, pass on the truth to, uh, to the world at large. Absolutely. Well, thanks for taking the time and, and uh, kind of fitting this, what you've already been teaching into a, a format that, that works for us. Uh, we have been talking uh, just recently with Father McGilvery about uh, the church, the papacy. Um, now we need to start to look at the church more broadly. Um, sometimes we kind of go in more detail. Sometimes we kind of take a step backwards. This is kind of what we're doing in this episode, and we're looking at the church as a whole. Um, and we're going to be looking over the next couple episodes about the four marks of the church. Is that correct, Father? Yes, that's right. Okay, so what are the four marks of the church, and why are they important enough to have two episodes uh, dedicated to them when we're looking at apologetics here, Father? So obviously, um, what we say in the creed, the church is one, holy, Catholic, and apostolic. Um, And when we look at them, it's important to understand that we're not just talking about uh, sort of random characteristics that— Catholics just kind of made up and said, "Oh, hey, this is a good idea. We'll make these the three, mar- or the four marks in the uh, of the true church because they happen to be characteristics of the Catholic Church." It's rather the fact that they are um, the four characteristics that have to exist in the true religion, whatever that true religion may be. You'll hear me say that a lot as we go through. Um, they. They're the four characteristics that the true religion, if it's going to be a true religion, it must have. And then, of course, because the Catholic religion is the true religion, it has those four marks. Right. So it's just important kind of a uh, understanding to take from the outset and the fact that the church, um, it's not just some random characteristics that we made up. It's something that really does logically, reasonably belong to the uh, true religion. And that's why the Catholic Church 
is the true religion. So we're not, we're not saying things like, you know, a true religion has to be headquartered in Rome for it to be true, right? We're not just right. randomly making up some of that stuff. Right. So that's what I want to try to emphasize as we go through, because again, I mentioned I teach logic um, and apologetics is very logical. So you take, it takes, you know, the first step that God exists. And then because God exists, there are certain obligations that we owe to them. And if we have certain obligations that we owe to them, how do we know what those are? That comes from revelation. That's how God tells us about himself, about what he wants us to, how he wants us to pay those obligations. And then how do we know this revelation actually comes from God? It's not just something that men made up. And then, um, you know, those characteristics, criteria, revelation, like you've seen, the miracles, prophecies, etc. And then the fact that our Lord Jesus Christ gave the true revelation, founded a church to pass on to preserve that revelation. Um, anyway, and so now we're trying to look at how we recognize that church um, as being the one that was really founded by God. Right. So that's more or less what the four marks are going to be. It's just the marks of the true church. So this is how we understand this church comes from God. And then we'll see as we go through each one, how the Catholic church fulfills each particular mark. Okay. So we were chatting a little bit ahead of time and you said, you know, for this first episode in this two part kind of section that you're doing, you really wanted to focus just on one mark. And that is the mark of, of unity or oneness of the church. Why is this the the one that you wanted to focus on first? And, and is it the most important one? So is it the most important one? I wouldn't necessarily say, I mean, it's a little bit hard to d- definitively say, yeah, this is the most important. Uh, okay. well, obviously they're all important, but um, I think this is the one that, uh, so it's very closely tied into another important question, which is the fact that the true religion has to be one, right? Um, so, uh, the, it's a big question nowadays because people are always saying that, well, you can have many religions and they can all teach the same thing. I can't tell you the number of times people have said things to me in the airports or stores or whatever, or I'm Protestant or I'm whatever. And, uh, and, you know, we believe the same thing basically, um, and, you know, it becomes a little bit difficult to say, well, not really. Um, I had, for example, another person who said to me a few years back, you know, we should always respect a person's religion. And, um, I said, no, it's not true. You can respect the person who believes it perhaps, but you don't respect the religion. If it's a false religion, you don't respect the false religion. Um, anyway, so how do we, how do Catholics, um, make that claim that there can be only one because Catholics, again, kind of get a little bit of a bad, bad rap for uh, being so exclusive. You know, we have the truth, no one else does. So that's all tied into this question of the mark of unity. Um, the fact that the true religion has to be one. So anyway, um, is it the most important? Not necessarily. It's probably the most foundational. Um, okay. And um, <clears throat> And basically, there's just a lot more, I think, to say about it, because you get into that whole question of why there can be only one religion. Um, and then uh, the other marks, obviously important, but we'll get to them. I think you can deal with them more succinctly than you can with this one. So Okay. So I, I guess to kind of jump off to that, 
air, airport conversation that you were having with, with our, you know, made up person, or it was a real person, but we're just going to make them up for now. You know, someone comes up to you and says, well, father, this is my truth. Can there be multiple truths? Can, there, can multiple things be true at the same time? I guess that's kind of the basic question that we start with, right? Right. So that's a good, uh, yeah, a good starting point because, um, Anytime you're going to talk about the fact there can be only one true anything, you're talking about the unity of truth. And if a person does not accept the fact that the truth is essentially can only be one, there's only one thing that can be true, um, then you're going to have a problem having an uh, apologetic conversation with the person. The person's not going to accept the fact that uh, there is one true church. So the unity of truth. Um, so I'll recommend, I'll give a little bit of a summary of it, but I'll recommend also if you want more information for the Wiseman's podcasts uh, in the, I think it was the Crisis in the Church series on um, nominalism, on Kant, because those, those philosophies are very much, that's very much at the root of them, just the fact that um, you can't, you know, I can have my truth, you can have your truth, and that's okay. You know, we're all happy mm -hmm. and we all coexist or whatever. Um, so mm -hmm. it is a philosophical question, but nonetheless, it is a foundational one. So for truth to be one, just quick as a yeah, quick run through of it, basically, there are many different things I can say. There's only one thing I can say that is true in an unqualified sense. So let's say I had a red pen, right? Um, I can look at my red pen and I can say, this is a red pen. I can say, this is a red apple. I can say, this is a black pen, right? Um, I can say whatever else. I can say an infinite number of things about this thing called a horse or airplane or whatever. Only one of those things I can say that I said is true in an unqualified sense, right? Some of them had parts of the truth, as many false religions do have part of the truth, which is what precisely makes them attractive to people. If you have something that's totally bogus, no one pays any attention to it. Um, but there can be a part of the truth, but it's not true in an unqualified sense. It's not completely true. Right? So I said, I have a black pen. No, it's not black, it's red. I, I was right about what it is, it's a pen, but I was wrong about some other aspect. Or the other one, it's a red apple. Well, I was right about the color, but I was wrong about what the thing is. Right? So anything we have, you, can, you, you um, can pick whatever you want, but I can say many, many things about it. There's only one thing that I can say that is true. So from a philosophical point of view, we do have to establish that first. There is only one truth, right? Okay. And then um, I guess some other uh, kind of foundational understandings before we even get into the question of the true religion. Um, the fact that you only have one God is also uh, important to lead up to that question, there being only one religion. Um, anyway, I'm not going to get too much into that other than the fact that, you know, basically if you have two, you can't have two infinitely perfect beings. Otherwise, one of them's not infinitely perfect. Right. Um, anyway, and you can see uh, some of the other podcasts on the existence of God for, for that. But um, basically, if you could have two gods, and some people 
especially nowadays, do believe in a sort of dualism. You know, you kind of have a God who is good, and then you have a God who is incarnation of evil or something like that, right? And the two of them are fighting each other, and that's where we have all the mess in the world today. Um, if you did have, if that dualism was correct, and you did have two gods, then I suppose it could be true that each one could found their separate religion, and one could truly belong to one god, and one could truly belong to the other god. But because, anyway, because you can't have two gods, that's going to be an impossibility. Okay. Other foundational um, understandings, the fact that God cannot change, so he can't contradict himself. Right? He's immutable. Um, and that's just, again, the fact that comes from the fact that he's infinitely perfect. If he could change, he would either go from being infinitely perfect to not infinitely perfect, or he'd be not infinitely perfect, becoming infinitely perfect, something like that, right? So either way, it'd be a contradiction in God. God can't change. So in the same way, God can't reveal uh, a certain body revelation for us to a certain religion, and then later on change his mind, and reveal something else to another religion, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then lastly, the fact that God is all good and cannot deceive. So again, that comes from the fact that he's all perfect. He's not some sort of sadistic being up there who's just makes all of us and then says, oh, this would be interesting. Let's see what uh, happens if I change my mind on them and we'll make up all these little stories and then I'll just sit back and watch the show. This incompatible with God's infinite perfection. Right? So, um, anyway, just some of those foundational no notions that uh, have to be in place before we can really, I think, help a person understand that this um, this is you know why there can only be one true religion. Right. Okay. So. I guess we take from there, we, we look at those points and we, we understand, all right, there, there has to be one truth. There has to be one God. God can't contradict himself and he can't deceive us. But on the other hand, it is true that there are multiple religions in the world. So how do those two things square? Right. So that's uh, de facto. That's the case. You'll have some people, I've met one or two of them, who will say like, oh, no, it's all, you know, there, there's no such thing as multiple religions. We all actually believe the same thing. We just kind of make up our own little, I don't know, unimportant additions. Um, and I think it's important to point out from the start that you have contradictions in different religions. You know, um, and some of these contradictions are essential. I'll return to that point later on. But um, there absolutely are contradictory religions that exist out in the world. Um, and so where did these come from? That's the question. Did they come from men? Because men were quite capable of contradicting ourselves. You know, I've done it, you know, I contradict myself in the same breath, I think, uh, unintentionally even. But um, when it comes to God, he can't contradict himself. Right? So if we have multiple contradictory religions in the world, that means that either none of them come from God or only one comes from God because God can't contradict himself. So de facto, we have these religions in the world. They do contradict each other. I'll give some examples of that later on. Um, 
And therefore, because God can't contradict himself, because you have multiple gods revealing multiple things, um, because of all that, then you cannot... How, how are we going to know that this one thing actually comes from God, right? right. So how are we going to know which one comes from God? And so at the outset, we have to say, well, if any of them do, only one can, because God can't right. contradict himself. Okay. So if, I guess then the next step would be to kind of take a, a little bit of a recap. I know we've already talked about this broadly in some of our episodes, but but what is then the purpose of religion? Why would man need to invent something or uh, you know, take something from God and distill it down? What is the purpose of it? All right. So I think um, I think Father Frank's talked about that a little bit, if I remember right, in one of his other podcasts. Um, but nonetheless, so this will be a little bit of a recap, but I think it's an important one. Um, so what do we mean by religion? Because again, um, like I said, there's multiple contradictory religions out in the world. If we're going to talk about anything, we have to agree about what we're talking about. So whenever you're discussing with someone, that's the whole point of apologetics, trying to convert a person. Um, if we're if we're discussing with someone, they have to agree, first of all, what are we talking about? If by religion I mean a certain thing and this other person means something totally different, well, we're not going to get anywhere because what I mean by it is it's just not the same thing. So first we have to establish what we mean we're talking about a religion before we can say there's only there can be only one true one. What do we mean when we talk about religion? So religion, we define as, um, I'm just going to read the definition for you real quick, the sum total of theoretical and practical truths pertaining to God and our relationships with Him. Right. So it's basically truths about God, about what He is, about what He's done for us, and our relationships with him, how we are to receive what he wants to give us, and how we are to, of course, um, live our lives such that we fulfill those obligations that we that we owe to him. Um, so that's what we mean as Catholics. That's what we mean by religion. It's something objective. It's not subjective. It's not just something that I make up. Right? It is the vehicle which gets me to God. And it's only normal that if it be that vehicle that gets me to God, it's only normal that that come from God in the first place. Because if I made it up, uh, how am I going to get me to God? It's an impossible. It's impossible. I can't do that. Right. right. So we end up saying that a religion is only is only legitimate. It only is worthy of the name religion. If it does three things, right? So it has to first um, teach the truth about God. There are plenty of religions out in the world that don't do that. I was just talking to someone I'm actually related to distantly um, who thinks that we all were created by aliens. But um, when you come to that, it's okay, what proof do you have? You have absolutely no proof. It's just someone came up with this idea. This person had read something on the internet somewhere and thought it was kind of interesting. And so adopted it as their belief. But um, yeah, it's just someone's imagination. You just made that up, right? So right. if a religion is going to be worthy of the name religion, right, something that binds us to God, it links us to God, then it has to tell us the truth about it. 
Otherwise, it's pointless. It also should honor God, worship God, pay homage to God in the way that he wills. Right? So, um, and again, this is just common sense. If, let's say, someone owes me something, say $10,000, someone owes me $10,000, and then they come up and tell me, well, instead of giving you $10,000, I'm just going to give you a truckload of, I don't know, candy bars or something like that. Um, I'd say, well, that's great, but I don't want a truckload of candy bars. I want $10,000. Right. And it's, the, it's, a, it's because I'm the one to whom the money is owed. I'm the one who gets to establish how that debt is repaid. Right. And so it doesn't make sense if we human beings, we owe God everything, our existence, uh, everything we own, everything we possess. It doesn't make sense for us to then say, well, I can make up for myself how I'm going to repay God. It's something that's got to come from him. He's the one to whom the debt is owed. I owe this obligation to him. I can't just try to make up for it, make it up, you know, however I'm going to, uh, I just have to be good and be kind. However, I want to define that. I have to actually um, follow what he established. How does, how do I know what God wants me to do? to fulfill those obligations that I owe. Right. So, um, to pay homage to God, to worship God the way he wills. And then the last one, so the truth, teach truth about God, honors God, worships God the way he wants. So that's the creed the cult. And then the last one is the moral code, right? So by practicing the religion, it leads men, leads us to our ultimate end. And that's another question that um, you have to establish. What is what is the end of man? Again, that's, that's a whole podcast in itself. But um, just really quick, basically, men's purpose has to be something which is beyond this life. You can look at St. Thomas Aquinas for that, for the proof of that. Um, I think it's the beginning of this Prima Secunde. But anyway... Um, basically human beings, we have an immortal part of us, something which is going to outlive this life, right? It's our soul. Um, I'm not going to prove the existence of that. You can see that elsewhere. Um, but, uh, there's an immortal part of us that outlives this life. And you can even see just in ourselves, there's nothing in this life that satisfies us. You can see a person who has everything the world has to offer and they're dissatisfied right? because um, our soul is made for, uh, St. Thomas will say, is made for the infinite. Right? Only the infinite can fulfill that, I guess, infinite capacity that we have. And that's why everything in this life leaves us dissatisfied because none of it's infinite. So we exist for the infinite. We exist for something beyond this life. And St. Thomas will reason up to the fact that the only thing that can possibly fill all those yearnings of men is God, because God alone is infinite. So what we exist for is our ultimate goal, our ultimate end is to reach God. So religion, if it's going to be worthy of the name, has to be something that teaches the truth about God, teaches us how to worship God the way he wants, and 
it brings us, it unites us ultimately to God and makes us fulfill the purpose for which we exist. And that's, you can't say that's unimportant, that's hugely important because it's everything about human existence is, you know, you see that all the time in the world today. People are always asking that question, what's the purpose of everything? And that's why there's so right. much despair because no one knows the purpose anymore. And right. religion has to be the thing that, um, if it's going to be worthy of the name, it has to teach um, how men are to live their lives such that they attain that ultimate end, such that they can reach God. And if it doesn't do that, it's not worthy of the name religion. Right. And and I would say there's plenty of people out there who would probably say, well, that's not what religion is for. They would say religion is for my own happiness. Religion is for my own personal relationship with my higher power or whatever you want to call it. Religion is for my own spirituality. And you would say, you have, you know, I, I guess what would be your answer to that? You, would you say, well, you just have a basic misunderstanding of what the word religion is? That's what you're talking about is something totally separate? Um, that's partly it. I'm trying to say it in a very nice way. But um, but yeah, that's basically, you, you have to understand that um, so religion comes from the word to bind, right? So to bind us to God, to lead men back to God, um, from the Latin word to bind religare. But anyway, um, so basically, yeah, religion, it's not just there just to make me feel good. It's not just there to maybe kind of put some sort of social pressure on us to act good and not hurt other people. Um, those things are a secondary, important, um, effective religion, but the primary goal of religion is to help men reach our ultimate end, right? Is to help men reach God. And we can't do that unless we know what God is, how to find him. There's no way we can know that unless God reveals it all to us, right? Okay. So um, religion has to come from God. Otherwise, um, yeah, we can't, we're, there's no way we're going to be able to uh, to reach it. Yeah. It's something that's right. entirely above men. Um, I think our Lord says that uh, no man has seen God at any time. The Son, the only begotten Son of God, He has revealed into men, right? I'm quoting scripture a bit ahead of time in this, uh, in this um, whole sure. apologetical argument. But it's something that's very true. God is the infinite being. How are men... We're very finite, and we all know that, if we're honest with ourselves. How are we going to reach that? You know, it's something that's entirely above us. We can't reach it. Um, God has to tell us how. It has to give us the means to do so. Can we take a, can we go a little bit more in detail into those three points? And and I guess, I think it was uh, Father Franks who, who kind of summarized them, and, and actually probably wasn't Father Franks, it's probably... Uh, many other people who summarize it like this, but they, it's summarized as creed, cult, and code, right? Those are the three main points that we're, that we're looking at. So can we go a little bit more in detail into creed? Why is it so essential that religion uh, has to teach the truth about God? I mean, it kind of sounds like a kind of an obvious answer, but can we dive into that a little bit more? Sure. Yeah. So um, it's basically, I mentioned a little bit, but it's kind of that idea that, um, 
that's the very purpose of religion. Religion exists to tell us about God and to tell us, um, I suppose, well, to tell us what God wants to tell us, to preserve his message, to preserve the revelation that God has given to, to mankind. Um, and without that revelation, we can't know much of anything about God. We can know a few things by the use of our reason. We can know God exists. We can know he's a spirit, infinitely perfect, things like that. But it's only very little in the grand scheme of things. And it's often mixed in with other errors, right? So <clears throat> revelation is God telling us about himself. Um, and without it, we start making up our own ideas about God. Right? So we need that the creed, basically, all it means is that this body of truth, God has revealed to us, and um, and religion's purpose is to pass on, to preserve and to pass on that truth. Right? And if you don't have that truth, if a religion doesn't have the truth, can't tell the truth about God, it's worthless. Right? It's no better than just someone's opinion and we got right. tons of opinions in the world or a fable or a myth or any any other story that we make up all the time exactly so and yeah. and so sometimes the opponents of religion you know they'll they'll say that well that's all just a myth um and that would be true if it didn't come from god right and so that's what we have to say if this if this is going to be a true religion it has to come from god we can't just make it up it's not just a sort of expression of a human consciousness or whatever they like to say Right. Um, so it's has to teach the truth about God, um, has to worship God the way he wants. We've already kind of mentioned the fact that, uh, you know, God is our creator. He's our first principle. He's the one to whom we owe everything. And it's not up to us to uh, figure out a way back to him and try to just do it however we feel like. It's up to him to to tell us how he wants those debts repaid. Um, and then the fact that it's, um, you know, the religion has to lead men to God. Otherwise, it's not worthy of the name. It doesn't lead men to their ultimate end, right? Um, if that ultimate end is that union with the infinite, with God, and that's really all we're meaning by the infinite right here, because God's the only thing that's infinite. <clears throat> um, if that's the purpose of religion, and a religion doesn't fulfill that, absolutely worthless. So I mentioned the person who said, you know, we should always respect uh, another person's religion. And no, we shouldn't have respect for another religion, you know, because if that religion is telling, is, is false, it's telling uh, falsities about God, it's not passing on the truth, then it's worthless. It doesn't even deserve the name religion. If it's not capable of telling men how to worship God in the way he wants, it just makes something up or that it's not capable of uniting men to God, um, <clears throat> then it's worthless. So, um, yeah, for the for religion, it's essential that it has all those things, because otherwise it quite simply doesn't deserve the name religion. Okay. So if there is a religion that has all those three things, then we can know that that religion is true. That's kind of the summary of, of where we are right, right now in this conversation. If it, right. if it has the right creed, the right belief, if, if it tells us how to worship God properly, and if it gives us the right moral code so that we can reach that end, then that religion is true, no matter what 
name we want to call that religion. Spoiler, Catholic, but we're not going to get But whatever religion it, that is, that's the true religion. Now, kind of back to our original point, can there be two or three or four or a hundred religions that all do this effectively? All right. So that's, this is precisely all the rest of this stuff is really just introduction. Now we're actually getting to uh, the, um, why we say the true religion, whichever one that may be, why it has to be one, why it has to have the mark of unity. Right. So, um, Basically, like I said, de facto, so uh, as a point of fact, we see uh, multiple religions in the world, and there are religions that are contradictory. So if you have multiple religions that are different, basically you're going to have one of two possibilities. Either they're only different, well, either they will differ in essential matters, so... um, I'm going to use some rather technical language. I'm going to try to, I'm trying to stay away from that, but I'm used to teaching that to the seminary. And so sure. I'll try to explain it as we go. But anyway, so either it's like an essential, it, it belongs to the essence of the religion, these differences, in which case they really are different things, right? A human being right. is not a dog, is not an apple. The, the essence is different. Um, mm-hmm. So either those differences are essential or in philosophy, we say they're accidental. Right? So accidental means, um, let's say, little things that are kind of added on top of the essence. So the fact that, I don't know, I have brown hair or the fact that I have brown eyes or whatever, another person has blue eyes or red hair, or blonde hair, whatever, all those things, it doesn't change the essence. It's what we call the accidents. Sometimes we call them the appearances. Right? <clears throat> so there's all these little things that can be different um, without actually changing what the thing is. And you see that in the natural world all the time. You can see an apple that's green, you can see an apple that's red, and you know they're both an apple, but there's that little difference. So basically, those are the two sorts of differences, either essential differences or accidental differences. Um, So if there are religions that um, are different, and there are, then those differences have to be either essential or accidental in the philosophical sense of the term. So either basically they are essential to the matter of the religion or they are unimportant kind of things that are added on top of it. Um, So some examples of, let's say, accidental differences. Um, For example... In the Catholic religion, we have, uh, you know, the Latin rite and the Eastern rites, right? So the essence is the same. They still teach the same truth. They still help men uh, reach their ultimate end. They still worship God the way in which he's revealed that he wants to be worshipped. So the essence is the same. You have these little accidental differences, things that aren't super important. They keep the essence but um, they, uh, you know, there are little differences. So basically through that, if there are religions that are multiple in that sense, then, and the only differences between them are accidental ones, then they're essentially the same. That's what the Catholic faith, the Catholic religion between the Latin rites and the Eastern rites, it's essentially the same religion, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So 
you have those accidental differences. It's not really what we're talking about when we talk about unity because still, essentially, it's one. It's, it's has that unity. You can also have essential differences, and that's more what we want to uh, focus on. So, the um, if the differences really belong to the essence of the doctrine of what's being taught, or the essence of the moral code that's being uh, promulgated, or you know, really the, the 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 homage honoring God the way He wills. If all of that does not reflect the doctrine or something like that, right? So if those things change, essentially, then what we have are two essential things because each one of those things is essential to what makes a religion worthy of the name, right? So um, if you have religions that, for example, say... I don't know, there are many, many gods, as opposed to religions that say there's one God. Obviously, that's pretty essential because a religion is something that teaches us the truth about God and teaches us to reach God. And if you're teaching men to reach all these many different gods, like in the pagan Greek and Romans, um, yeah, that's, a, that's kind of an essential difference. If you have a religion that says our Lord Jesus Christ is God and a religion that says our Lord Jesus Christ is not God, kind of an essential difference. If you have um, a religion that says that men have to correspond with God's grace and they can't just, they don't just sit back and kind of receive and don't do anything on the moral level, that's very essential. There's huge ramifications that come from that, right? And that, that would be Protestantism. Basically, our Lord did everything for us, and the rest of us just sit back and, and receive. And there's nothing we have to do. Whereas Catholics say, no, God did do the lion's share of the work, but we do have to correspond to it, right? Um, so the work, good works of men are necessary. So again, that's something that's kind of an essential difference. Right. So if you have these things, if you have multiple religions... Some of them can have accidental differences, in which case they're still essentially the same, not worried about those differences, or they have essential differences, right? And if they are teaching something which is essentially different, then that religion cannot be one, right? In which case, we're left with the conclusion. So what's going to happen? That religion these two religions are saying essentially contradictory things. The only possibility is, the possibilities are that both of them are wrong, right? You can make up something, I can make up something, and it's just human opinion, and you, know, you can say whatever you want, um, but it's, they may not teach the truth about God, so either they're both false, or one of them's right, and the others are all false. And so, again, it comes back to the idea of unity of truth. If you have um, things that are essentially contradictory, you can't have. Um, <clears throat> sorry, all the bells are bothering me over here. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> anyway, um, you can't have. Uh, if you have things that are essentially contradictory, um, only one of them can be true at most. Right. Otherwise, you're going to run into a problem with uh, you know, unity of truth. 
right? And, so, and God can't contradict himself and everything else. So basically, either one religion has to come from God, one religion is the true religion, or none of them are. Right. So um, anyway, so that's why the, uh, the mark of unity is so essential to showing uh, or it has to, has to belong to the true religion. Again, I'm not saying it's a Catholic religion yet. Whatever the religion that may be, it has to be one. If it's not one, then that means that um, uh, basically, well, then there's no, there's no such thing as true. It's just all human opinion and we can all say whatever we want. Right? But if there's a religion that's actually going to lead men to God, actually going to tell the truth, it has to be one. can't be multiple. It's, it's kind of the basic principle of logic, too, which I know you said uh, you you teach all the time. And I, I don't know if our uh, viewers, listeners have, have had much experience in logic, but the basic premise is if you have two two statements and one of them is false, then the conclusion is going to be false. It's it's going to because one of those two statements is false. You can't start out with a false statement and have a true conclusion. Um, so it's sort of the same thing with with what you're saying here. You have two religions. One of them is different from the other in essential properties or in essential things. Therefore, one of them has to be false. They both can't be true at the same time. It's just logic. Right. Exactly. It's, it's really okay. more of a philosophical problem than, uh, than a religious one. But right. it is something that's very essential nowadays because, uh, yeah, <laughs> the world is a mess outside. Well, and, um, and, and everyone thinks that there is my truth versus your truth versus right. someone else's truth, right. that truth is relative. Right. And, well, that's a whole different topic and go back to the crisis series and Father Wiseman on that. But right. yeah. All right. So, so that's kind of our conclusion there. Huh? Whatever the true religion is, it has to be essentially singular. There has to be one true religion and dot, dot, dot. Next episode, we're going to get into more of that. Is that kind of where we are right now? Pretty much. Yeah. I didn't want to make this one drag out too long. Um, So next time, yeah, we'll see. um, Obviously, we'll we'll go through each of the other marks and show why they have to be marks of the true religion. And then we'll show after each one um, how the Catholic Church fulfills that one. For how the Catholic Church fulfills the mark of unity, um, I'm going to hold off on that one because actually as a mark, it has to be united to the attribute of uh, Catholicity to be really the recognizable mark that shows you this is the one true, this is the true religion. Um, But in any case, so yeah, as a property of the true religion, it has to be one, otherwise basically um god's contradicting himself which can happen or uh we're just making it all up and none of it's true so. fair enough father thanks so much for taking the time to uh put this together for us and looking forward to chatting with you next week about uh, all the rest of it all right thanks a lot andrew thank you father thanks for listening to this episode of the apologetic series on the sspx podcast and on our youtube page Please consider subscribing to the YouTube account and the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever fine podcasts are found. And please consider leaving a rating or a review on this podcast. This will help to make sure more people can find this podcast and discover the beauty and the truth of traditional Catholicism. Until next time.